0: Welcome to Urban Wilderness, the official Turkey Mountain podcast. I'm Tip Crowley, and we've been so busy lately, both at RSC Radio and out at Turkey Mountain, that Ryan is joining us remotely for the first time on this podcast. In this episode, we'll have a trail update, we'll meet one of the expert trail builders helping to expand Turkey Mountain, we'll learn about a murder mystery from the park's past, and we'll discuss some commonly asked questions. Stay tuned, this is Urban Wilderness.
1: Support for this podcast comes from Fleet Feet Tulsa Broken Arrow. Focused on getting people into high-quality, properly-fitting footwear. Offering training programs that help lead people on their fitness journeys. From 5K to full marathon. For more information, visit FleetFeetTulsa.com. From Switchback Training Systems, a one-stop solution for multi-sport and cycling athletes. Offering personalized coaching from certified instructors and mountain bike and multi-sport skills clinics in Tulsa and Claremore. More information at SwitchbackMTB.org. And from Team My Side Fitness, a partner of RSU Radio, promoting a healthy community with support from Bicycles of Tulsa, Sandos Modern Deli, The Local Bison, and Atomic Foods. More information at WTF is
0: So Ryan, you all had a big press conference recently. Can you recap some of the recent announcements?
2: Yeah, Tip, we did. Uh, we had a great press conference a few weeks ago and we announced several things one 2.1 more million dollars coming to turkey mountain and we talked about that in the last podcast with all the additional trails that we're going to be able to build for that we also talked about the hazard mitigation project that's going on at turkey mountain so if you go to the area of the bomb cellar or the red trail on the south side of the lower parking lot you will notice the work being done The whole area is closed right now to the public, so please do not go in that area. We'll open it back up on weekends, but the crews will even be working late at night too, some nights, so please don't enter that area. So what we're doing there specifically is we are reducing the ladder fuels to control and diminish the potential for wildfire at Turkey Mountain. So a lot of that understory brush that you see at Turkey Mountain is invasive species and small woody uh, uh, plants that have a tendency to burn. And if there was a wildfire at Turkey Mountain, it would actually be a ladder fuel, so a ladder for the fire, to carry the fire from the ground up the tree to the canopy. And that would be what would cause the catastrophic wildfire. So we're mulching all of that down and chewing it up and then we're hoping to do our own prescribed burn in that area and then really diminish the potential for prescribed fire. But this has a great benefit as it helps to get rid of a lot of invasive species. And then it allows for those post oaks and those blackjack oaks and other natural plants to finally sprout because now they have an opportunity to compete for sunlight and soil nutrients versus whereas before with all those invasive species they were losing out so they weren't sprouting. So that work is going on, and I will say, give you a heads up, it is very dramatic uh, when you go out there. It looks like a totally different forest than you've ever seen at Turkey Mountain, for sure. But it is a healthy forest. It is what the forest is supposed to look like. And we are working with our friends at Oklahoma Forestry Services who are leading that project. So it is for the best health of the forest, and it has the benefit of reducing the likelihood of wildfire. So one of the things that we did from the very beginning of this project Project was we set out to build trail that was multi-use for a lot of people. So we built a few miles of the downhill mountain bike trails exclusively for the use of mountain bikes, but we also, you know, wanted to build multi-use, highly sustainable trail accessible for a lot of people. And we did it very intentionally, keep it as multi-use. And so and we are going to keep all the new built trail as multi-use, but We've had a lot of requests from people, a lot of feedback that they'd like to see some hiking only options. And so we're working right now with several uh, hiking groups and running groups and, and, you know, Turkey Mountain kind of super users to identify some potential pedestrian only areas. So we built about five miles of dedicated mountain bike trail only, or will have by the time the construction project is over. So we're looking at trying to add about five miles of you know, designated hiking only options. And so right now we're looking at, you know, some of the older trails that we can kind of touch up some of the trails that are very difficult for current mountain bikers to use, but easier for hikers to use. that will still go to a lot of different places. So you will see that coming in the future. We will have, you know, around five miles of dedicated hiking only options, you know, signed and usable for everybody. So That's one of the updates that will be coming, and, you know, it's a good thing, I think. You know, we're getting so much use out of the Turkey Mountain that a lot of people are looking for, you know, a different variety of experiences, and the more we can spread people out, the more room everybody has. So that'll be good things coming here at Turkey Mountain.
0: If you've been on river parks near 61st and Riverside, you may know the name Charles Estes. Charles was a game warden who served the area over 100 years ago, and his service is a big part and a big mystery ever connected to Turkey Mountain.
2: So there is an unsolved murder that happened at Turkey Mountain all the way back in 1911. Game wardens in the state of Oklahoma were a relatively new institution to the state, and they were in charge of enforcing all the laws about hunting in Oklahoma. So when you could hunt, what you could hunt, do you need a permit to hunt that sort of things. And on January 1st, 1911, a man named Charles Estes became a deputy game warden for the Oklahoma Department of Wildlife Conservation. A couple of months later, on the morning of February 26th, some gunshots were reported happening at Turkey Mountain. He lived with his wife down in Jinx, and so hunting at Turkey Mountain back then was totally legal, you could do it. You can't today, as it's a public park, but in February of 1911, you could. However, the hunting reports occurred on a Sunday, and back in 1911, hunting on Sunday was illegal. And so, as the game warden in 1911, Charles Estes went outside and got on his horse, and he told his wife he was going to investigate some illegal hunting happening at Turkey Mountain, and that he would be back by afternoon. And so he rode from Jinx up to Turkey Mountain, and he actually rode to the very top of Turkey Mountain in the area that would be known sort of as the Point. Now back in 1911, Turkey Mountain was a much different place. It wasn't so thick with brush and trees. It was more open, so you could see a lot more up and down the river, so it would have been an excellent viewpoint if you were trying to find illegal hunters. It was known at the time that Turkey Mountain was a good place to hunt ducks. It was a kind of a a local hunting area for ducks. And so Charles Estes suspected that he had some people legally hunting ducks. But it was also reported in that time that there were some suspicious characters, maybe a gang of counterfeiters or moonshiners that were operating somewhere in Turkey Mountain. And so Charles was... Up at the top of Turkey Mountain looking for these potential hunters that could have been nefarious characters. It's unknown what happened exactly but we do know that Charles Estes dismounted his horse at the top of Turkey Mountain and then started to come down the steep side hills of Turkey Mountain to the very bottom to the railroad track that was there. Now the railroad track was built I think in 1906 roughly and so he went down to the railroad tracks to try and get a good look at where these hunters were at. He had talked to, earlier that day, he had talked to neighborhood residents who reported hearing several gunshots. And so he knew he was on the right track, literally, uh, in trying to hunt these down, these criminals down at the Midland Valley Railroad tracks that run at the bottom of Turkey Mountain, which are still there today and still operated on a regular basis. You might see the train come by every once in a while. And so sometime around 1 or 2 p.m., a person who was a neighbor named Matt Lee heard an additional two gunshots, and he went in the direction of the gunshots. And he found the horse and looked down the mountain and was actually able to see the body of Charles Estes lying near the railroad tracks. And so he immediately rushed away for aid to fetch the local sheriff at the time, who was W.M. McCullough. He and the sheriff came and investigated, and initially they thought that Estes might have been shot, but perhaps accidentally by the two duck hunters. However, when they arrived Charles Estes was clearly out in the open and it would have been very difficult to accidentally shoot him. Charles Estes was dead when they arrived and he was missing his Colt 45 that he his wife reported that he carried that morning and his wallet as well as a gun belt full of ammunition. The sheriffs at the scene were able to identify that the empty shell casings were from a 33 Winchester it was fired from about 15 feet from where Charles Estes lay dead. They couldn't find any other information about the killer, but the sheriff, Sheriff McCullough, swore to investigate this murder of a game warden. And unfortunately, later that year, Sheriff McCullough was shot and killed in the line of duty as well, as there was an uprising, a riot of some sort downtown Tulsa that took his life, and so the investigation ceased to move any further. Charles Estes was a game warden for approximately two months. He was around 40 years old and he had a wife. He was the first game warden in the state of Oklahoma to lose his life in the line of duty. And to that end, actually, if you are on the west bank of, I'm sorry, the east bank of the river, and you're walking along the River Parks Trail, you might notice a small monument in his honor. That monument was placed there on June 3rd, 2001, thanks heavily to the work of another game warden who uh, recently retired named Carlos Gomez. Carlos Gomez actually worked for River Parks as one of our park rangers. You might have seen him out on the trail. And he thought it would be a wonderful idea to work with the Game Warden Association, family members of Estes and River Parks to bring this monument to life and talk about this incident. And if you look at that monument, it reads, From this very spot, you can look across the Arkansas River and view Turkey Mountain, where on February 26, 1911, Warden Estes was ambushed near the Midland Valley Road while investigating illegal hunting and was the first game warden to die in the line of duty while protecting Oklahoma's natural resources. And that murder was never solved, and so that is one of the unsolved murders that happened at Turkey Mountain. Very interesting story.
0: In our next segment, we want to introduce you to some of the people who are making Turkey Mountains expansion possible. We call this Meet a Trail Builder.
2: So I have standing with me out here at beautiful Turkey Mountain on a gorgeous day, Stu Drake. Hello, Stu. Welcome to Urban Wilderness, the podcast. Hi, Ryan. Nice of you to be here. So you've been with Top Trails and Progressive, and you've been out here since January of 2022. What was the first project you worked on out here? I was
1: first on UHF. I was on the the ground crew down there.
2: Cool. And tell us a little bit about the process of how UHF came to be. What you guys were thinking about in the building structure, and how it all came to be the trail that we know today.
1: Well, the design plan for UHF was for it to be a multi-directional or bi-directional uh, flow and hiking trail. So multi-use, multi-direction. Uh, that inherently limits what you can do with it so no major jumps or anything you don't want real high speed by mountain bikers Uh, It was also supposed to be a green level uh, so beginner mountain bike trail uh, allowing for children on balance bikes or beginner mountain bikers or any sort of parents with a, a child in a backpack anybody should be able to use that trail pretty comfortably.
2: And I will say that like some of the feedback, it was one of the first trails that initially opened up um, on the east side, and some of the feedback has just been phenomenal on it. A lot of the mountain bikers really love it. They think it carries speed well. They love the rollers and stuff like that, and they think it's just a really great kind of flowy trail, so you've gotten a lot of props on that trail. So... Um, we just opened up the new main entrance well it's the the redone main entrance and tell us a little bit about the project you've been working on for the last few weeks here Mostly it's been bringing in load after load after
1: load of dirt from the the power line access just outside of that trail uh, when we when we started the entrance redo it was uh There's a couple feet down of erosion. There's rocks lining the sides of the trail. So if you haven't been out to Turkey before and and you come out here, just imagine those rocks being sort of waist high as you're walking between them. All all the water from this end of the mountain was kind of funneling down through that main entrance and out out into the parking lot. It was not sustainable for long-term use. The erosion was really just gonna continue to take dirt off the mountain and out into the parking lot
2: it really was an erosional nightmare a lot of you probably remember that main entryway it's just a giant channel it was a u-shape and it funneled um just a ton of water down it and then out into the parking lot and so you guys have redirected that water yeah most of that water is going to go down even
1: through the power line access and just past the power line access off through the woods and down eventually into that beaver pond But all of the water that was heading to the parking lot is going to the beaver pond now.
2: That's really awesome, and I think the beaver that's very active down there is going to appreciate um, more water flow his way. So tell me a little bit about how you guys redid the trail. What makes it sustainable? What did you all put in there? I know it was a lot of dirt, but you did more than that. It was shaping and sculpting. Sure. Uh,
1: the, The first thing really to do is to figure out where we're going to get that dirt. And one of the initial plans was to bring in load after load of dump trucks, and then as we reassessed the, the surrounding area, we realized there's really a lot of accessible dirt right here by it. So we we ran a skid steer and a couple of excavators and just ran those loads one after another. Uh, but you can't, as we were filling it up about two to three to four feet, depending on where you are in that access or that, uh, that entrance trail, it... Uh, it needs a lot of dirt and if you just put all that in there at one time loose and then pack the top of it it's eventually going to settle in a really weird lumpy way and there's going to be a lot of erosion happening again and and water holding and little pockets and ponds that are going to form so we have to do kind of in a layer stacking uh, or a layer lift where we put in about 12 inches of dirt at a time and pack that all down really well and then go again with another 12 inches and pack that really well and so on and so forth until we got the elevation we really wanted. And then at the top of that, once once we have all the dirt we want, we kind of do a crown shape to it just like a road so all the water will run off to the sides.
2: It is. And if you come and look at it right now, um, you will notice that the center of the trail bed is, you know, probably five to six inches higher in places than the sides. And that's like when the rain hits, it's going to run off to the side. And so they added a lot of drain cuts to it, to push the water away and make it a nice, dry, sustainable trail. And I got to say, I've already heard several people think, you know, say how amazing it looks. And it does look really gorgeous. And we'll have some photos up on Instagram and Facebooks and stuff like that of the trail that Stu just finished. So, Stu, after this, where are you guys? What what are you working on next? Well, we did start the. There's a blue flag line off to
1: the uh, what was at the east side of the the entrance trail. Uh, that's going to be a climb trail from the bottom of the new downhill lines that are going in, and that'll, so that'll bring you kind of to this this lower midway point, and then connect to the rest of the climb trail to take you to the top. But I think what we're going to do before we finish that is go over and finish out the bottom of Zingo just because we have our machines here already and I know there's quite a demand for the bottom of Zingo to to really go somewhere and give you something to do with that speed that you come out the bottom with right
2: now. Wait are you telling me that abrupt stop at the bottom of Zingo wasn't like that's not the end of Zingo it's going to keep going? Yeah we could have put like a brick wall there or something.
0: (laughs) We need to come back to the studio for a quick second to let you know that since this interview, all of the ideas discussed were actually put in place. So the continuation, the jumps, everything that you hear is in place at the bottom of Zingo right now. Back to Ryan and Stu.
1: Well, the plan is to have a few more jumps in the wood line there and then cut out across the power line easement and probably have a, a nice big table right there in the middle. Um, I have high hopes for that one because it it'll be so visible from the road and from the sides and just, I envision people stopping to take a lot of photos right there because you're not having to tramp through the woods and the briars to try to get a picture of your friend and, uh, and then it'll cut back into the woods on the lower side and have a, another jump or two and until we kind of taper out the speed naturally instead of having to grab brakes at the bottom of a flow trail.
2: Nice, and then that Zingo is going to turn kind of right back up into the climb trail, right?
1: Yeah, it'll it'll head back to what's kind of becoming a lower hub intersection and you can either go down to the parking lot from there or the beginner trail or you can turn left and go back up to the top and pick another downhill trail.
2: That's really cool. And then you mentioned the climb trail. So for you all who uh, haven't seen any of this stuff online, from the lower Lochi area, um, where the Lochi entrance is at the, you know, down by the paved trail, underneath the power line right away, that's where the blue and black downhill mountain bike lines are going to end. And when they end there, um, there'll be a climb trail that Stu and, and Andrew over there will be working on after Zingo that'll bring people back up to the current climb trail at the lower parking lot. So. All very good stuff. So so you've been in Tulsa, yeah, right at a year now. So what do you think of our fair city?
1: Yeah, on, on and off for about a year. Um, it's, a, it's a pretty cool spot. There's a lot of things to do here. I, I know the uh, the climbing gym has been kind of a popular thing for some of our guys. I haven't been over there yet, but I plan to. I, I was here for the Boulder Dash in the middle of summer. That was a good time. It was you know, incredibly hot, but that's kind of what works out well for the uh, the water balloon aspect of it. It's a good time. I'd like to see that again. Yeah, and you're
2: out of Tennessee, right? Currently, yes. Yeah, and and how how long have you been building and working on trail? Mostly volunteer uh,
1: for about 20 years now, um, and then professionally on and off for a couple
2: of years, and then I've been with PTD and Top Trails for a year. Nice. Well, you're doing amazing work out here. I know that thousands of people appreciate it every day, even if they don't realize that they're walking on brand new trail that you created. So you're giving a nice gift to Tulsa, and I want to say thank you from the bottom of all of Tulsa's heart for what you do. Out here.
0: So, Ryan, you all had a big press conference recently. Can you recap some of the recent announcements?
2: Yeah, Tip, we did. Uh, we had a great press conference a few weeks ago and we announced several things one 2.1 more million dollars coming to turkey mountain and we talked about that in the last podcast with all the additional trails that we're going to be able to build for that we also talked about the hazard mitigation project that's going on at turkey mountain so if you go to the area of the bomb cellar or the red trail on the south side of the lower parking lot you will notice the work being done The whole area is closed right now to the public, so please do not go in that area. We'll open it back up on weekends, but the crews will even be working late at night too, some nights, so please don't enter that area. So what we're doing there specifically is we are reducing the ladder fuels to control and diminish the potential for wildfire at Turkey Mountain. So a lot of that understory brush that you see at Turkey Mountain is invasive species and small woody uh, uh, plants that have a tendency to burn. And if there was a wildfire at Turkey Mountain, it would actually be a ladder fuel, so a ladder for the fire, to carry the fire from the ground up the tree to the canopy. And that would be what would cause the catastrophic wildfire. So we're mulching all of that down and chewing it up and then we're hoping to do our own prescribed burn in that area and then really diminish the potential for prescribed fire. But this has a great benefit as it helps to get rid of a lot of invasive species. And then it allows for those post oaks and those blackjack oaks and other natural plants to finally sprout because now they have an opportunity to compete for sunlight and soil nutrients versus whereas before with all those invasive species they were losing out so they weren't sprouting. So that work is going on, and I will say, give you a heads up, it is very dramatic uh, when you go out there. It looks like a totally different forest than you've ever seen at Turkey Mountain, for sure. But it is a healthy forest. It is what the forest is supposed to look like. And we are working with our friends at Oklahoma Forestry Services who are leading that project. So it is for the best health of the forest, and it has the benefit of reducing the likelihood of wildfire. So one of the things that we did from the very beginning of this project project was we set out to build trail that was multi-use for a lot of people so we built a few miles of the downhill mountain bike trails exclusively for the use of mountain bikes but we also you know wanted to build multi-use highly sustainable trail accessible for a lot of people and we did it very intentionally keep it as multi-use and so and we're going to keep all the new built trail as multi-use but We've had a lot of requests from people, a lot of feedback that they'd like to see some hiking only options. And so we're working right now with several uh, hiking groups and running groups and, and, you know, Turkey Mountain kind of super users to identify some potential pedestrian only areas. So we built about five miles of dedicated mountain bike trail only, or will have by the time the construction project is over. So we're looking at trying to add about five miles of you know, designated hiking only options. And so right now we're looking at, you know, some of the older trails that we can kind of touch up some of the trails that are very difficult for current mountain bikers to use, but easier for hikers to use. that will still go to a lot of different places. So you will see that coming in the future. We will have, you know, around five miles of dedicated hiking only options, you know, signed and usable for everybody. So that's one of the updates that'll be coming. And, you know, it's a good thing, I think. You know, we're getting so much use out of the Turkey Mountain that a lot of people are looking for, you know, a different variety of experiences. And the more we can spread people out, the more room everybody has. So that'll be good things coming here at Turkey Mountain.
0: One of the big conversations when talking about multi-use trails is congestion between hikers and bikers. There has been some frustration with Turkey Mountain users feeling this congestion. What are your thoughts on that?
2: Well, to... We are in the middle of three years of construction right now. So we're less than a third of the way through. And we've got two, possibly three more years of construction ahead of us. I like to use the analogy when they take a highway and put it under construction and narrow everybody down to one lane. That's what we're in right now. It's congested and it's frustrating when you come to Turkey Mountain. You show up and you feel like it's crowded. And that's simply because... We don't have a new map out yet, we don't have the trails marked yet, and we're th- not finished with construction yet, so a lot of people are crowding onto very few trails. In the coming years, as we get new maps available and new trails and con- trail connections developed, it will spread out and it will feel more lonely, like, isolated and not as crowded. A lot of hikers have expressed frustration with mountain bikers crowding the trails and running them off the trails. This is a thing that happens we can't you know we don't we wish mountain bikers would do better. Uh, not a lot of them do great, most of them do great, actually, but a few that are bad behave poorly, and we just can't stop that. We try with signage and with education, and we will keep trying to educate people on the best ways to behave out of Turkey mountain. Another one of the things that people said as well, it's so crowded there, and if you get to know Turkey mountain you've seen that what we've done is build a lot of new trails and people are crowding onto those new trails. If you want a experience that is more lonely, you can hop onto the older trails if you are pretty good about navigating your way about around Turkey Mountain. There's 40 miles of trails at Turkey Mountain. That's four zero miles of trail at Turkey Mountain. Right now, the bulk of people are using 10 of them. So if you find those other 30 miles of trail out there, you're gonna have an experience that's more alone and more you know, free of other traffic. So I encourage you to find those trails if you can. But please have patience. We are in the middle of that construction zone. We're narrowed down to one lane. And when this construction abates and when we're done building the trails and have all of our signage up, we do feel that there'll be plenty of room for everyone.
0: Thanks for listening to Urban Wilderness, the official Turkey Mountain podcast. I'm Tip Crowley at RSE Radio, and I've been joined by Ryan Howell at the Tulsa River Parks Authority. Thanks to all of our sponsors for making this podcast possible, and thank you for listening and making this podcast so enjoyable to make. As always, the music on this podcast is provided by Grasshopper. Be sure to like and subscribe to Urban Wilderness wherever you listen to podcasts. We'll see you next time, and until then, go get lost at Turkey Mountain.